0: Welcome to the Procurement Conversation, where we tackle the big issues facing procurement. We have our regular panellists, Martin Smith and Kirsty Carr. And this week, we're joined by Tom Mills, the procurement protagonist. Procurement TikTok or propTok legend and slide genius. Uh, you can find him Thank at you. Tom Mills Procurement on TikTok. Welcome to the conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. Just wanted to say congrats on hitting 10,000 followers before we uh, on LinkedIn before we... Yeah, that's... Oh, uh,
1: really appreciate that. I wasn't expecting that. So yeah, it's really nice. Thank you.
0: So this week we're talking about what procurement should stop doing. And procurement's had a, franti- a frantic couple of years. So dealing with many challenges that we may have previously had to face once in a career, seemingly every few months. We've had a pandemic, inflation, conflict. We've had a full house of force majeure clause issues. And with many teams feeling the strain, something has to give. So what should we stop doing? And in this you know, we could go into hundreds and hundreds of uh, suggestions. So we're going to try and stick to the maybe the less obvious ones, potentially some of the the more contentious ones. So we have a bit of debate around that. Uh, You know, there's some that are given uh, the the stop moaning about having, not having the the seat at the top table. It it was one that came out quite a few times. So, um, so Tom, over to you. I mean, what, what, your head of procurement at Bibi, what have you stopped doing? And what do you think we should stop doing more generally?
1: Um, You're right rich there's so many things that we could talk about stopping doing but um one of the things that i'm really passionate about um and maybe a good one to kick this off is stop sounding like a sips textbook when you talk to people within the business um Mm. i really passionately believe in this one because um if, if you think about it there's been lots of studies around culture and what leads to exclusion and the biggest thing that leads to exclusion within any culture is language whether that's not being able to speak the same language having a different accent that type of thing so I've never understood why procurement individuals when they engage with the organization think that by using all sorts of um, acronyms um, long words um, being really kind of um, procurement when you're talking to stakeholders why they think that that's important and I think if we could stop doing that we could really drive really good strong engagement of the rest of the business
0: yeah 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 I totally agree with that I think that's was, I guess some of it's trying to be trying to be a bit clever and, and actually you know you can talk plain language to people we're talking about yeah it's commercial things yeah the language that salespeople use is 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 uh you know it, it's a different approach than that
1: yeah, there's a um, point as well uh, around explaining things simply. Um, it's the classic, um, probably get this quote wrong now, but the Albert Einstein quote, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And mm. and I think that sometimes um, it's very easy to hide behind acronyms and, and language around procurement to kind of show some kind of technical expertise, which somehow creates this kind of elitist view of, why why the professions needed but actually all that does is create barriers to good engagement and the only other thing I just wanted to mention is um, I've been in situations where I've mentioned to a room full of people the word RFP and I've already seen almost half of them switch off because they genuinely don't understand what an RFP is and I think it's very easy when you're in your profession to just think right I know I understand it, so why shouldn't everyone else? We should stop that, and we should start talking in a common language.
2: I agree. I I think that also that sort of business jargon and procurement sort of language is being sort of there, like you say with the SIPs tech, but we also see that correlate onto job descriptions. You know, we read these, as you can appreciate, hourly, these jobs. And it's just like, so what is it you're actually wanting? And you've just got all this generic stuff on there that's just gumph and I always sort of try and cut through the noise that hiring managers but but you see it all the time and I, I totally agree I think it just needs to be more mature modern language that plays more on the soft skills and the behaviors and and actually also sharing wouldn't it be nice if you read a job spec that actually sometimes said um you know procurement isn't mandated and it's not in a great place or whatever it might be just something a bit more realistic yeah. and similarly when you're talking to suppliers rather than giving them the whole beauty parade and all this business jargon, you can actually be quite real with them because you would on a phone call or a team's call, wouldn't you? So why does the text has to be that? So no, I I, I totally agree. You,
0: so Martin, you've covered off one of mine uh, for later. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> no, while we're talking about it now, I think it's a good one. That my, so my one was to stop this sort of cookie cutter recruiting to tear up the job specs. And you, know, you see job specs and you look at it and think, I'm sure that, that, that must've been like circa 2005 and they have just literally just, because yeah. it's something you don't do very often, I think. Maybe you know you're recruiting someone every sort of nine months, twelve months, whatever. You just sort of pull out this one that you have in your locker, and, it's, and it can be quite
3: ancient. Yeah.
0: Dust it off and sort of send it out, and people looking at it going don't understand half of this. So, yeah, yeah. that's definitely one I've got. I,
2: I, I generally have clients. I won't mention them by name, but they'll say like they've we've hired them a cashier manager for I don't know marketing, and they'll say oh it's the same JD as that one, just it's just HR or you know IT or whatever, and it's like but it's surely not. Surely it's an incredibly <laughs> different stakeholder group. And surely. Um, mm. So yeah, we, we, we see that all the time. And I, I just think it needs completely revamping. I talk about it a lot, um, but I think it needs the language needs modernizing. Because procurement has modernized, let's be clear, with all the stuff we're going to talk about today about what it's not doing uh, or needs to stop do, it's, it's come a long way. But I, I think the language still, I totally agree. I think it's just still quite archaic. And, and like you say, it's that cookie cutter approach. Most procurement managed job specs, if you look on LinkedIn and just literally search procurement manager and do a search. Most of the job specs will be exactly the same. They'll just be a different yeah. location, a different industry.
0: Yeah. yeah. Kirsty, what have you got? Um, do you want to, do you want to kick off with one?
3: Um. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go with um, stop, stop operating in the past. So stop operating old school methodology, stop operating 1970s uh, business behaviors, um, yeah uh, stop hiring complete carbon copies of yourself look for something a bit mm-hmm. more innovative for your team um so yeah so definitely um yes i do think procurement has moved forward but i do think we've still got a way to go um so yeah stop stop sort of living in the past
0: Just a good one.
1: can you explain a bit more about living in the past kirsty so what do you mean in that way so,
3: think you know, things like RFP processes, things like yeah. procurement policies, things that yeah. you know were first yeah. done 40, 50, 60 years ago. And every yeah. time you get a new leader of a procurement team, there's a slight yeah. iteration to it, but nobody ever redesigns it, they just pick it yeah. up and add a few paragraphs in, it becomes a bit more clunky. We stick yeah, to a yeah. process because it's what we've always done instead of going, actually, is this fit for purpose anymore? Does this fit with yeah. our industry? Does it fit with our business model? Does it fit with our teams? Is it engaging? So there's that point, again, of being brave, isn't there, and saying, OK, this is our as-is and what's our to-be and how do we want it to look like? Because yeah, we've got correct. that, like Tom, you were saying about autonomy, you would have that autonomy within your team to change that. Yeah. So it's taking that leap of faith and maybe doing things differently.
0: I think, yeah, stop stop adding to the process. You know, you, you, we've got to take some stuff out because <laughs> yeah, yeah. otherwise, it, it, it's like the contracts, isn't it? You know, the contracts, they just, they get longer and longer and longer over time and people don't, they really, I see contracts and they literally talk about the, the EMU, you know, they talk about these things from the 90s, the millennium bug sometimes, that that comes up and yeah. it would be millennium bug compliant. You can you 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 take that stuff out now. You don't need to, you know, like it's like 22 years ago. Um, but yeah, we, we are a bit of a, You just sort of keep shoveling it in and (laughs) and it just gets more complex, more onerous. Yeah, there's an
1: assumption that you have to do the same thing. I mean, even just talking about the RFP, for example, um, it's always a a default position of, oh, we we need to run an RFP. Well, there's so many different ways that you can go about approaching a vendor selection process. And I think it takes a bit of bravery and confidence to be different and to stand out. But um, there's a point uh, around we should start... uh, it's not about what we should start, but we should stop kind of um, allowing our self-confidence to be kind of um, eroded by the business, if that makes sense. We should be confidently moving forward yeah. with with what we know will drive the best value. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I think you sometimes find as well, like. Divert, sort of reverting back to the SIPs manual or reverting back yeah. to like you're saying Kirsty, some of that kind of archaic language is mainly because the business doesn't understand procurement so you kind of just go right let's go back to my training okay it's this I'm not excusing it but I think that's sometimes when businesses don't understand that they've never really used procurement in an effective way I think that's often when they start regurgitating the, the manual as it were yeah
3: that's when we need to stop working in a silo in that totally. case, then and get yeah, out absolutely. and about into the business and educate them. Yeah, education, or, definitely. I had that one as well working in silos. We've got to
0: step outside, step outside, yeah. and also bring in new thinking. So break down the silos, bring in people from outside in other business areas, step outside. You know, it's it, that sort of cross pollination of, of ideas is, uh, is really important. Yeah. Is so that silo
2: mentality still quite? prominent in the sectors and areas
1: you've worked in i don't recognize that? the silo element I, I, perhaps like you could do some
0: explanation actually rich yeah i, I mean I, i've definitely seen it in some some i mean i, I come my background's mainly in it so you, you do yeah. you you will see sort of and i think and i think it has been breaking down over the years so you used to have like the it organization which was a very I guess separate, you know, it was running the IT on behalf of the business, and as long as it was running okay, then the business didn't really care, but then over the years, it's actually, that's broken down because there's more technology that's going to customer-facing, uh, you know, there's been a lot more digital disruption, that type of thing, so that's that's broken down those barriers, so then then it's sort of making sure that procurement's like fully integrated into that into that process, and even to the point of you know, if you, do, if you work in some agile projects, then, you know, having the, the procurement lead within an, a sort of a a scrum team or whatever to, to, yeah. to be managing that agile project so so yeah I mean I, I, yeah I don't know about you but, but I've, I've seen it in in a number of, especially I, th- I thought you know financial services was probably a little bit more more silent yeah. but I don't know uh, if that's been your experience
1: probably less so I, I know where you're coming from I think there's a, a a spin-off point though here that that is related and that's procurement stop trying to do everything so we should be um, promoting advocates of procurement within the business. I find that the best way to drive good good procurement within the business is to give people within the team's training, responsibility, create a framework for them. But I think there's a a kind of natural tendency for procurement individuals to think, oh, I've got to control this process end-to-end. Actually, we'll get much bigger buy-in and a much bigger value and leave a much bigger legacy within the business if you help train individuals within and across the functions to procure well than you will from the work that you do so I'm going to say stop trying to do everything yeah stop feeling like you have to control everything I think there's a maybe there's a control mentality around procurement individuals which um comes back to that kind of living in the past that kind of victim culture um Mm. which I think Kirsty you you were mentioning um we need to be more confident with Um, allowing the business to procure providing we provide the framework the training the tools and the templates to enable them to do so Um,
3: I guess my challenge to that would be realistically in a large organization that's very busy and lots of different departments doing lots of different things Yeah. The work is needed up front to get them to a point where they want to learn that, where you feel that you can let that go and it, there's still going to be value to the business because otherwise you're going to get yourself back into that maverick space. So I still think there's a there has to be an element of control in some degree. Yes, we don't need to have a footprint across the entire thing, but we have to be responsible for how that's fashioned and rolled out.
1: Yeah. Can I use the mantra then freedom within a framework? So we set the framework use that, yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's fundamentally the philosophy that I try to apply. Um, so. Back to your point on control, Kirsty, isn't the most important thing for any procurement individual or function to be able to assert that control is to get up visibility of when the business is about to spend money. So
3: 100 percent.
1: So then if we get that upfront visibility and we make people, then I'm saying at that point, we can determine, right, what level of confidence do I have around the team that are going to be doing this? What training do they need? What, how should I guide? How should I play? So I'm not saying we shouldn't be there, I'm, but I'm saying we should empower individuals to perhaps run that process a bit more.
3: It's a mat- it's like a scale, isn't it? I guess it moves yeah. along the maturity scale of, okay, when you're ready to go, right, okay, I'm going to delegate that bit to you because you yeah. know what you're doing, you know what you need, you know what the process is. We've worked enough together, Mr. Stakeholder, Mrs. Stakeholder, Mr. Stakeholder, for you to know what the yeah. expectations of the business are going to be and what you're going to need to evidence, for example. So, yeah, I think as you move along that maturity scale, that's definitely yeah. an opportunity.
0: Yeah. Okay. Martin, do you have any from a... Recruitment point of view, you want to, to throw in?
2: Yeah, I I've got a few. I'll, I'll try and be as diplomatic as I can. So so <laughs> what I was uh, uh, referencing before we went on air was, um, so so we are our our supplier, you know, uh, to 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 the procurement community. Look under that HR category where obviously recruitment sits. So we'll have these initial engagement conversations with 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 a, a, a Tom Mills of the world or or someone within the HR category. Um, and they'll talk around collaboration, all the nice strategic you know, partnership, you know, true, truly seeing some of that value partner, which is great. And I come off a call feeling really empowered and looking forward to the relationship. And we'll send our terms and then we just get this, the, 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 the T's and C's through and these unbelievably onerous clauses and, you know, low rates and ridiculously high payment terms. And there's just like it was as if we had two separate conversations, one on the phone or on Teams uh, or face to face and one on an email um so I guess stop you, you've got to practice what you preach right you know s- you know stop saying one thing and then acting the other um because it just doesn't marry up. So I think that's something that we see not a lot I mean let's not be dramatic we're not seeing this in every conversation we have hmm. but it is something that's quite common in the in the recruitment profession um hmm. and obviously procurement who ultimately are controlling that process and the commercials um are the ones also we're dealing with so I think that is the big big area hmm. for us
0: I think, I think that's quite a common one. I think the, the, you know, there is an intent in, in a number of areas to, to form partnerships with certain organizations, but then there are some organizational mandates around things like payment terms and you know, some of the risk profile that legal may want to have in the contract and those sort of things. And actually, they give like, the complete opposite message to what, yeah. what the conversation you're trying to have is one around partnership, and, the, and, and you're sort of treating them like a, a sort of a commodity vendor, really.
1: Yeah, Mm. I think um, it's about not diminishing the relationship because as soon as one element of side of the relationship feels diminished, then you're not going to get a good value Mm. partnership anyway. I wonder, Martin, whether some of that comes from um, a kind of um, laziness around just providing a generic template um, and not really adapting that to the conversation you've just had. Um, yeah. I'd say laziness maybe that's harsh because um, one thing that most procurement teams are is very time poor. you know they they have to just quickly yeah. move forward so sometimes the simplest thing to do at the start is to say right here's here's our best possible terms as in from from our side yeah. of things and let's just hope that they, they agree but I'm not sure that to your point that leads to the best collaborative opening to a partnership. So no.
2: Not, I think no. that one of the challenges which I guess procurement, I think, needs to look at more holistically there is it, it just shows, going back to your point around the silo mentality, it shows that the HR community aren't talking to procurement because ultimately HR are governing that and managing that, yeah. you know, relationship with, with recruiters um, yeah. and, and, and procurement and them aren't talking. So they're just interested mm-hmm. in the terms. They're not going to have those relationships with every agency. This is HR I'm talking about. But procurement, It's 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 a key hire for them. So I don't think they're talking. I, I think what good practice looks like is a, a heads up, guys. You know, the payment terms are X. We'll look to try and get Y. I understand that maybe our commercials aren't as lucrative as others. This is why. That's fine. That's not a problem. You've got some rationale there and you're actually having a human conversation with someone. But I think that needs to be done. I mean, that overlays to everything. I mean, I'm just talking from a recruitment perspective, but I think that clearly correlates across all the supplier. It's the supplier relationship management, isn't it? That's what it comes yeah. to. Um, and I think it's truly doing that in the right way um so
0: yeah you, you used the human word there i think tom did you have one that that would fix uh, I, I i smiled because
1: i was just going to come back to my my mantra how about just being a decent human being and i hmm. think that um procurement um i've almost and this comes back to Kirsty's point about perhaps living in the past a little bit almost created this kind of barrier in terms of oh we've got to be the mean people who, who come in and are really hard and we've got to be really um kind of putting up barriers and and hard to negotiate with but actually when you think about where businesses are going and where we are in 2022 the importance of deriving really good sustainable long-term partnerships with the right suppliers is now more than ever the Mm. most important thing that any businesses need so i think we've got to start um yeah being decent human beings and stop seeing suppliers as the enemies yeah Um, i i think um I'm I'm very passionate about that one and I have to say I've been guilty of it in the past. Um it may maybe a younger Tom Mills was a little bit more ego e- egotistical in the way I, I bought, but it, it's short term, it doesn't really yeah. um drive where we need to be. And in 2022, we need to be much more um forward facing.
2: You're only as yeah. good as your suppliers, right? Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Yeah. It's, you know, I never, yeah, I think I would, if I look back at the beginning of my career, I'd say it probably was way more aggressive than I am now. But it is definitely that win-win mentality. And, you know, we have, that has to be at the forefront of whatever we do, whether that's talking to our stakeholders about what's win-win for procurement and your function whether that's talking to our suppliers about what does win-win look like, you know, I want you to be profitable as my supplier. I want you to still be in business in five years' time because I still want or need or can forecast that I want your service. So I totally agree. And I think the world's been through enough the last couple of years. It's time to do business in a much more, you know, grown-up, mature, friendly way. You know, these are people like... I don't know about you, but I'm still friends with suppliers that I worked with 20 years ago in different industries and people that I've met along the way because I've created relationships that mean something. And I also think we need to stop being that adversary. We need to be an ally in whatever that we do because... You know, we we can't expect people, we can't expect things to work through the bad times if we don't create a relationship where there's trust and honesty and transparency. So if things do go wrong, we leverage that relationship to work through it. And that's another thing that I would like to see procurement teams stop doing, and that's shying away from having those great relationships Mm. with suppliers, Mm. because it's okay to have a good relationship with a supplier.
0: Yeah. I think, mate, yeah, stop being so process-oriented and start being more relationship-oriented. Yeah, I think, um, Kirsty, you mentioned a key word
1: there, trust. Um, and it's interesting you talk about the trusted relationships that you've had over many years. And actually, that can be really hugely powerful from a procurement perspective, because if you know decent technology providers that you've worked with in the past, you're far more likely to have a, a, a good relationship with them moving forward and be able to invite them to tenders and be able to get a willing partnership. So... I think we need to start being a little bit more genuinely collaborative in our approach. Mm. Yeah,
2: definitely, and not be afraid to walk away. It's not not always going to be they're not always going to be the right supplier. And actually, suppliers evolve; they change. your Your point of contact can leave. They can change industry. It's it's okay sometimes to walk away. That doesn't mean you're saying you know you need to fall out with them or, or. create a, a difficult situation it's not always right and don't always put yourself through the middle of that I, I see it all the time with people that they're stressing around a contract they've signed up to or a supplier they're engaging with it's like well it's okay not to work you can't work with everyone of course so um you've got to choose the right suppliers that are right for you and right for your business
3: that's given me another one can, can we yeah. stop ghosting suppliers when we don't pick them for projects yeah, because it's just rude
1: did they do I'm, that? Do people do that? Yeah. I so um so, sorry to mention my linkedin but I did a video rant on that a couple of weeks ago because I'd heard about a scenario of um an individual who who wouldn't respond to anyone who lost an RFP would just send an email to say sorry you've lost and I'm thinking wow so you've got you've got real people on the other end of this process who have spent hours often at difficult times of year Completely an RFP, all of the commercial pressure that they have to face internally. And they go through the presentation, they get all the commercials internally approved. They're excited about the opportunity and then they just receive one line email from a procurement team saying, sorry, you've not been successful. I find that completely unacceptable in any walk Hmm. of life. And actually, Kirsty ghosting is probably the worst thing you can do to anyone anyway, whether that's in yeah. procurement or in yeah. life in general. And that comes back to my point about just being a decent human being. Just yeah. <laughs> life's too short. And actually, if the last two years has short taught us anything, I think it is um just be decent to each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, You don't
3: know when you might need that supplier again, though. So it's very yeah. short-sighted to just go, mm, not this time and not bother. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just not. It's, it's not a great outward expression of our community. And it's one that I would like us to really work on improving.
1: It undermines your credibility as well. Yeah, and to your point, Kirsty, you're right. You wouldn't, if I was a supplier, I wouldn't engage with that procurement individual again. And that comes back to my point. We've got to be thinking long-term now. We've got to be talking partnerships.
0: Oh, we just had a comment actually come in that uh, talks to that point. So yeah, there's a legacy way of running the, uh, which I think is the process-orientated way. And, and actually... It's more collaborative and agile approach. That's the more relationship-oriented way. And that's, uh, yeah, long, ultimately, longer-term, greater success, better relationship. Uh, that was a good comment. And then I also saw um, from Laura, yeah, debrief helps both parties to learn. So, yeah, that's very true. Uh, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes what puts um, procurement individuals off that session is is if the suppliers kind of almost see it as another opportunity to try and pitch I think if you're really open and honest um, and you're very clear um, and sometimes part of building trust is just being very very clear um, but having those
0: conversations don't hide behind emails it's 2020. There's another good one here as well actually if you can't start a bad news email with as discussed don't send it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh I like that one from Vaughn brilliant and Anthony as well there don't go to, yeah call them all up you know or, or, um, or have the face-to-face if you can but um yeah you know people can mm. they, they can learn and you can learn as well because they the other thing is getting good getting feedback on the process so you want you want to be understanding how the suppliers found it you know looking looking to bring that into the continuous improvement so um
3: absolutely yeah. that's a really good point you want to make sure that when you do it again you know it's even better for the next round of of people to be engaged in really really good point
1: yeah. can, can i throw one in Rich? yeah it's probably just taking a, a different slant um stop um the ego when it comes to procurement so um what i mean by this is um so many instances where procurement individuals start claiming savings that they've delivered and i always think that we should be talking about the value that we've driven alongside the business yeah. um And I think that the problem with some of the procurement metrics, and this again probably comes back to Kirsty's point about living in the past. We seem to have this template of, oh, we've got to deliver all all of these traditional metrics, which procurement driven metrics, whereas actually they can quite be quite often meaningless to the business. Um, So, um, And often those traditional metrics are because procurement has this kind of um, inbuilt need to kind of justify their existence and we've got to prove our return on investment is seven to one or whatever. A good procurement team shouldn't need to justify their existence. They should be foundationally driving the value that the business um, delivers. So
0: I just think we need to stop the ego a little bit. Yeah. I I had tracking. We should stop tracking metrics the business doesn't care about. And and we we can actually do starts as well. I did say we do some starts, uh, but start aligning metrics with the business. So, you know why Why aren't we measuring uh how, how much we're reducing the time to value supplier-driven innovation like true risk mitigation efficiency scope three carbon reduction all those types of things like like get these aligned with the business and be doing that together uh, outside of the silos uh yeah we use business stakeholders so
3: it's a good one i see um like we use business partnerships a lot that's like you know the new buzzword
2: um mm-hmm.
3: But to me you can't be a true business partner if you've not got a shared objective with the team you're working with mm. so that's a really important one like you know sure. you have to be part of their team you've got to walk their walk so start being open to shared objectives
1: Kirsty that's really important in marketing space as well isn't it with brand procurement. and they mean you've discussed that trade. quite a lot over the last yeah. year in terms of um the traditional procurement metrics just don't play into the brand marketing metrics and actually um we wonder why we aren't able to successfully drive engagement with the marketing teams It's because we're not speaking in the same language so yeah um, I think that's really really important let's face oh. it a lot of money is spent in the marketing space but it's probably the area that has the least um procurement engagement and and we need to look inwardly and it goes back to your. Works. It goes back to your
3: beginning point. You know, <laughs> it's it's set up to fail if you don't speak the same language. Yeah. So the, mm-hmm. the important thing about any procurement marketing relationship is commonality. You've got to find yeah. a common ground. You have got to sit down with your marketing partner and say, okay, this is traditionally what procurement does. In a nutshell, explain to me what you do. Explain to me what you need. Explain to me why you have the suppliers that you have. What they're delivering how that ecosystem works and then I'll start to think about how I could add value to that and make the, your life better and that's the conversation we're marketing you don't get there until you say okay I'm ready to share your objective so if you mm-hmm. fail I fail I'm not going to okay. go away and go well I got my savings thank you yeah. I- I'm going to be with you and go yeah we didn't hit that one okay why didn't we hit that okay we'll go again and do it better next time so yeah I think shared objectives are really important
2: it's asking. I agree. And it's asking those open questions to the business and your team and the state. it all comes back to that and do the active listening because you can't know, you know, from a sales technique, we can't know what to sell unless we know what the candidate wants. And it's exactly the same with a supplier or, or, or a member of your team. You, you There's no point just running in and talking about what you do and how great procurement are and what the value you've done in my career. I've done this, this. redundant they they don't need to know all that so i think that's so important and the the truly best procurement leaders the one that are really good at listening it's not not it's not the talking it's the listening yeah and 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 i was going to say just on just to contextualize that i i've i've had it actually quite it's quite good with doing this today because i've had a number of people recently that and i'm going to say stop moaning about the business not seeing the value that procurement can drive if you can't Mm -hmm. communicate that means you don't understand the business so you can't the, the, the business doesn't understand you so it all comes back to that, and it, it, it's something for me that's quite a bugbearer when people say, "Oh, they don't really understand what I do." That's yeah. not on them; that's on you. You've not you've not clearly communicated with them um, and understood what they need. I think that's massive. That's yeah, I
1: mean. every business has their own unique um, kind of requirements from that point of view. For some businesses, yeah. um, risk will be far more important than driving um, savings, or um, some businesses they'll have far more of an emphasis on return on investment from marketing spend, that type of thing. And you, you, you've got to fundamentally understand the business you work in, in terms of how you're going to drive the value. Martin, that's a great point. Mm,
2: thank you. Yeah, no. Yeah.
0: So uh, where should we go next? Um, I, is it what, so we, we've had some posts over the last few days, had some good engagement on uh, from people. We had some good, good ones that I thought I'd read out and just um, shout out to a few of the people who've, who've engaged there. So we've got, so James Meads was stop thinking like technocrats, start innovating, and be more open to radical change. That was a good one. Uh, Sarah Bean, stop negotiating by email. Make human contact. Build stronger relationships.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, anyone
1: can can be hard behind an email, can't they? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's an easy it's
1: an easy thing to do, isn't it? It's,
2: but... Good old keyboard warriors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be really angry
0: in this email, and to be really nice when they phone.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh richard Struthers i think this was this was a favorite of ours yeah, i love this one was the, so this is the change in the mindset from not being servants but being peers of, of the business uh eric mcmillan building complex processes without input from business partners i think that's uh mm. that's another one isn't it we just come up with these like dream up these crazy processes uh with in isolation and then do it to the business and the business is sitting there going oh what, yeah. what are we do um uh, ben Painter, stop ignoring innovators and startups because of their perceived lack of maturity. There's real commercial advantage to being an early adopter. So, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. really agree mm-hmm.
3: with that one. That's, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? As well.
0: <laughs> being in a startup. But, yeah, definitely uh, definitely agree with that one. And uh, Nick Langham as well, so uh, doubting the massive impact. So, this is stop doubting the miss- massive impact it can and should have on the success of the business, that's procurement. Uh, and walking away from those businesses that fail to enor- enable their procurement teams to realise that success.
1: Rich, just on that point, so, um, mm. I was going to say one of my big stops was, um, and this was going to be potentially a bit controversial, um, is um, where we, where you get to the stage, whether that's within a business or within a certain function within the business, where you feel like you're literally banging your head against a brick wall and you're never making any progress, I would argue that you almost stop wasting your time, if that makes sense. So focus on where you can know that you'll get traction and and drive value. Um, Because there are certain instances, and I'm prepared to be challenged on this, where for whatever reason, the stakeholder just refuses to get it, will not get it, just continues as they are. And, And then obviously there's various escalation channels you can take, but I wonder whether procurement individuals waste a lot of their time trying to break down those barriers. Um, and actually, we should just focus on where we know that we can work with stakeholders who get it.
0: It's a good point, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. It's... Uh, I don't know where to, whether to challenge or not. But <laughs> that's...
1: I was expecting Kirsty to challenge.
3: I don't, I don't challenge that one at all. I, I think there's an element of... Um... <laughs> Mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, an equation there to do with effort versus mm, that you know yeah. output, isn't it and then also there's the, there's a small piece of me that would would kind of be in that position well okay y- you go away and do things your way and then when it all blows up in your face because it inevitably will at some point because you haven't got a handle on yeah. the whole process then when you're ready to come back and talk then we'll have a grown up conversation about why I'm an ally not an adversary and why it's okay for me to be on your project management team yeah project management team and it's okay for you to ask for my help and it's okay for me to ask you to explain more i think it's um you know i'm not saying as a horrible person i want people to fail but there is a point where you have to say okay yeah. well so be it on your head you go out and do what you do if it works, fine. If it doesn't, then, you know, we'll we'll have to have that conversation when it comes to it. Because I think you're right, you could be putting 15% into another category and delivering much more somewhere else than, you know, chasing your tail around. So, yeah. again, that comes to you being brave and saying, I'm not going to waste my time anymore. Like I'll, When you're ready to engage with me, I'll be waiting, but I'm not going to be knocking on your door anymore.
2: I mm. think that's a difficult one, though, because I guess, we see it with with a more junior candidate you know a junior person within a, in a procurement uh, function if they've got a challenging stakeholder that just aren't playing ball they're not listening they've tried every angle they're just going to call us and go i'm out and then tom's going to lose a member of his team or whoever mm-hmm. you know the head of so actually yeah. it's quite a common cause of people exiting businesses because they there's a there's a stakeholder or someone in the business that's just a bit of a bad apple um, but then I
3: see that as a leadership issue. Yeah, so yeah, that's where it. a leader needs to be stepping in and not leaving a junior yeah. person yeah. exposed in a way that they're going to feel that. So if that's happening, mm. then you know I would question the quality of the leadership within that setup. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. stop setting your team up to fail. That's the
3: exactly. That's the like yeah. you know, if you're a leader, your responsibility is first and foremost to your team, and it's to support them and yeah. it's to help them grow and develop, not to leave them hanging. <laughs> that's that's yeah. not great.
2: But if that's we, we've we've seen it recently with that with with someone that's uh, uh, kind of the marketing bar that own that whole category that whole spend, they've had that issue with a very senior person in the business that just doesn't see the value. They go native. They just don't get it.
3: That will be because the leader has no idea what marketing procurement is. That'll be because there's a complete disconnect between the value that being a category buyer or a business partner for procurement brings versus what it might be in the engineering, chemical, um, Mm. operational IT space, where we're talking huge, massive numbers, nice and shiny. You can really say we pulled this project together. That, to me, screams disconnect between them understanding the marketing space as Mm. a leader.
2: And then when the two senior bodies butt heads, that's when it's, you know... I don't
1: know. Yeah. 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 It can be very demoralizing for an individual that's in that mm. situation. And then that comes back to my point on, and I think Kirsty referenced it, the energy in, that we expend. And there's there's a lot of an emotional energy within the procurement function. Yeah. Um, it requires resilience, but I wonder whether sometimes we should just be a little bit more proud of where we can deliver success and move forward. And then mm. let success breed success. So, The biggest um, way to really gain traction within the business is to get some really good news stories. That might not be in the function that you want to deliver it in, but then that in itself drives the engagement, and then you get other people turning around and say, "Oh, wow! Actually, maybe I do want a piece of procurement support for
0: my next project." Agreed. Um, Yeah, it's right.
3: Emotional. I've got
0: got, uh, so to. this is a LinkedIn one, actually, rather than the procurement one specifically, but it's on LinkedIn, procurement should stop lurking and start to engage. And this is something that Tom, you know, Tom, your content is a breath of fresh air. Thank you're, you. you're an actual head of procurement posting on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, you know, really feel that it, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago uh, when we talked about the, you know, the talent crisis within procurement, trying to bring new people into procurement. And you know a way of doing that is for is for people to be open about what it is they're working on how how things go and you know getting on tiktok is that's like the that's the <laughs> ultimate but um, but yeah you, you know I, I think there is a concern from people that, or there's a sort of a reticence and i you know i was going back probably five years ago i was reticent about posting stuff yeah. on linkedin because you always think well, my supplier's looking at my shoulder or whatever um but i, th- I think we just got to be more open and not not really care so much
1: yeah, I'm going to have to come in on this one because this is something I'm really passionate about. There's two things I'd say. Firstly, um, I think the importance of developing your network within procurement now is more than ever because you need to have a good established network of knowledge. You're only as good or as experienced as your network in my view, so that's really important. The other thing is if we think about the point I mentioned about 15, 20 minutes ago about um, developing closer relationships with suppliers why shouldn't we be open why shouldn't we be transparent about our challenges why shouldn't we look to build those partnerships um and that's a big reason that I'm quite active on LinkedIn because I want sales teams to understand the pressures we're under I want to be able to deliver better relationships I think um the other thing is businesses need to um understand that the tide has turned in terms of um their own brand marketing in terms of you know, the individual now is far more important in terms of promoting a business online than the brand itself in many instances. And so enabling procurement individuals to start talking and being more open online will only help them.
2: What Tom, just on that, because, uh, you know, I've, I've known you for a, a long time now and, and yeah. you know, certainly it's really visible the last, you know, certainly mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say 12 months, 18 months, you've really sort of, it feels for me, for someone that knows you well, the tap was turned on and the social media engagement was just, you know, yeah. it, it's brilliant what you do. I think it's really brave, actually, genuinely, yeah. particularly with the TikTok content and stuff. I think it's fantastic. A lot, a lot of our network and peers of yours would be kind of... Um, Concern, worried overthink doing that so I think it's yeah, really commendable yeah. that you've done that but what what was there a light bulb moment was there just a moment you're like I'm gonna do more or um do you know I think the
1: the switch on was the pandemic and um, yeah. there was obviously yeah. some job insecurity around that point but actually that was almost the tipping point in me thinking "Well, actually um how do I differentiate myself and how do I establish a network when effectively I'm sat at home all the time yeah um and so that was the tipping point, and then the confidence comes from actually just getting on and posting and I think I used to be quite a um perfectionist and think, "Oh, I can't post something unless everything's completely right, and it's all I've checked it a hundred times, and now I just realize that actually people aren't looking for that; they're just looking for interesting insight so yeah. um I think that's the tipping point. The other thing is I would say I'm fortunate to work in a business that totally gets it and totally. Mm-hmm. Um, empowers and um, gives autonomy for individuals to to do this I think there's many businesses which have much more of a a stiff corporate identity that Mm. um, almost constrain individuals I think ultimately that's the detriment of the businesses and that's why I think we're at a tipping point those businesses that will get it will enable and empower people to be open about their personality online
2: can I, defer, no, that, that that I think that's good. I think the pandemic, I think that's really interesting. And, and I agree. I think you, you're creating a community online, aren't you? Because you're not yeah. able to do it as much. It's not as accessible face-to-face. There's, there's a comment and some rhetoric that's been going around for a while now, not just from LinkedIn, just general social media, about stop posting for the sake of posting. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to get everyone's views on that one.
1: Kirsty, you go for it.
3: Uh, I post once a week um, because I'll be super honest and I'm very candid about this. I don't enjoy it. Um, I know I need to and and all of that but I'll post when I've got something to say I'm quite happy to support other people posting and I'm quite happy to comment and get involved in a conversation but I'm not going to be oh I'm going to post three times a day to make sure that I've got all of this engagement blah blah yawn yawn because it just doesn't interest me I've got other stuff I need to do so I'll post once a week if people are engaged brilliant if they're not then I'll post again next week I won't worry about it
1: there's no wrong or right and I think just on that point, Kirsty, I'm totally anti all of these influencers who say, oh, you've got to post X number of times a week and you've got to post at this time of day. Only post when you genuinely believe it's going to add value to your audience.
2: Otherwise, just shut up.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. 100% concur with that statement.
2: (laughs) I I agree as well. And I think Because you you notice when people are, I think you really notice when people are posting for the sake of posting. If you've got something to say that will add value, whatever that topic is, I think that's great. And that's great content. But I I think it's crept in, in LinkedIn, this, this world of, I don't know, just I'm going to post what I had for breakfast and I'm going to post. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Me yeah. and Tom had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? And I actually said to Tom, I'm just so like, at the minute, I don't know why, but the last couple of weeks, I'm just really over LinkedIn because mm, yeah. I've got Facebook. So if I want to see where you've gone with your family and what you've had for your tea, I'll jump over to Facebook. I yeah. just find it, you know, I don't want it to be a stuffy platform because I am not stuffy corporate. But I do think there's an element of it's kind of lost its way. So I, I think definitely want to be personable and approachable but i want to still talk about business stuff yeah. like
1: not everything
3: yeah.
1: else there's a fine line there's a balance there's a balance yeah. in terms of adding some personality making sure that you come across um, as, as an individual as a person but also making sure that you're truly adding insightful valuable yeah. content that could help others um so i totally agree Kirsty.
0: yeah i think i'd sort of yeah i guess um, My disagreement would be, I think we do need to sort of show who we are as well. I think otherwise, as you say, it becomes a bit dry. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I agree,
3: but when there's only one in one thousand business posts or something, that's going to create a conversation, or you know, it can get a little bit. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind learning about people and make it, you know, and getting to know somebody, but you know, fundamentally the purpose of LinkedIn originally was to bring businesses together and for us to share practice and understand and learn from each other. And yes, I want to know people's personalities, but I don't want it to be completely social. That's just my own view. There are other platforms for that for me.
2: But the most, uh, the the most it's quite interesting because the most sales calls and emails and content that I get is from these sort of social media strategists and these businesses that contact yeah. you going hey i've noticed talent drives podcasts and we could do this to make amplify you by twenty seven thousand people i don't actually necessarily want twenty seven thousand people to you know what i mean i i, I, yeah. I just think I've, i like the community we've built i think it's still growing i like connecting with new people as i know we all do on this um which is brilliant but i think i don't know like i i don't need someone to spend i don't need to spend four or five hours a week to hypothesize on what times i should post and what i do i think if you've got yeah. something genuine to say Say it, it's brilliant, i will add content. We had I won't mention him, we, we had a procurement guy that generally called me and was stressing that he only got four likes on a post and what he's doing. It doesn't matter. The post was good though, the post was relevant. He picked something from the SIPS news website and talked about mm. it. It was something to the science of modern slavery. It was really interesting. I was like, that's good. Don't worry mm. about it. You, you know, if I if think if
3: you get wrapped up in the valetary message, you do Max,
2: you get wrapped yeah, up yeah. loses
3: yeah. all of its point, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But
2: there's Absolutely. a really
1: important point I just want to add there. The most value I've got from LinkedIn is the contacts I've made so for example Kirsty Rich I didn't know you before LinkedIn there's no. about 10 or 15 individuals that I now can regularly pick up the phone have a chat with um, mm. who are valuable contacts that I would not have known were it not for LinkedIn so I know you mentioned the 10,000 followers at the start that's that's a vanity metric it's not relevant in terms of how it makes me a better procurement individual mm. The true connection is through the people that you actually meet and talk to. And that comes back to my point around we probably lost the ability to be able to connect through things like conferences as much over the last yeah. couple of years. Um, but now I feel like I've got a stronger network because of LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. yeah. So and if you don't have any more uh, stops, then are there any starts that we should be doing?
3: Well that's, that's a broad question for the end
0: okay. of the well, what's, what's your like one or two big starts that we should be that we should be starting? Now we've stopped all this stuff. what are we gonna start?
1: Start making procurement more fun. Hmm. Um and start um really um enjoying it and conveying that enjoyment in the way you interact with the business. Um I think that it's got a stuffy reputation and that's not helped by certain individuals who just um don't really see the fun in it and um i'd say start making it more fun make it more appealing to people who are wanting to join the profession at the start of their careers as well definitely
2: that's a great one i just want to pick up on that because that ending is kind of dovetails into um to, to, to to start nurturing talent and 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 bringing in the new generation there's a skill. There's a talent shortage. I won't talk about it today. We've talked about it on this before, but mm. we need to start genuinely investing in local colleges, universities, schools, um, you know, uh, degrees, at academia to 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 bring in the new talent because there's a huge skill shortage. And if we want to grow procurement as profession, we need to nurture that and develop that talent. So we need to start doing that.
1: If there was a clap emoji that I could go on to now, I'd be doing that.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, definitely. Mine would be um just stand tall and proud of your function and your profession. That you know, be proud of what you do and what you add and what you deliver and how you work across the business. You know, embrace that point of difference that you have where you actually sit above the entire business and can see what's going on end to end. Make that your friend, you know, leverage that, be proud, talk about it, you know, just stop hiding away in the back office somewhere.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I like it. Well awesome. said. We've had some good comments as well, actually, on the back of... Uh, so Ben says procurement's already fun. It's
3: we new, know ben. that, Ben. We know that, Ben. <laughs> I and wouldn't it, say it, everybody we, else Yeah, but that. Ben,
0: ben,
1: is everyone in procurement fun? That's the question. Well,
0: yeah. Well, oh. Larry says we've got to hire some fun people. Um, we got. We don't always get the names, but uh, yeah, procurement's never boring. And I think we can all agree with that. Uh, great. So... I don't, yeah, I don't know if there's anything anyone else wants to add because I think we've we've sort of done the done the topic to death now, really, haven't we? I,
1: I think, to be honest, there's loads loads of things that we probably yeah. haven't covered. I think I'd like to think that we've covered some of the more generic key points, mm. but um, I just I, I would just like to add, Rich, I think we're at a turning point for procurement where we can really make a difference if we start mm. adapting and moving forward. So I think there's a lot of things we need to stop doing, and I think we start need need to start being braver about. Um, Doing procurement better and and differently. Yeah. very passionate about that.
2: Thanks, Kirsty. Oh, can I just uh, just Ben's, Ben's other comment? I quite like that. Can I just that last one at the bottom? Oh I'm yeah, this is to relevant you. to you. Stop hiring mediocre people just because you're desperate for capacity. Oh.
1: <sighs> wow, define mediocre, Ben. <laughs>
0: There's a talent shortage at the moment, but it is it is more than bums on seats that we need, I suppose, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. True. It's a Great. really I agree though, just on the, my my final beach, it's a it's a really exciting time, I think, for procurement. I mean, we talked about a lot of stop stuff that's we need to stop, but there's so much that has started, you know, we won't talk about today the ESG agenda, sustainability, all the issues with supply chain procurement's coming to the the forefront of that. I think as an industry, it's it's massive growth, it's allowed us as a business to put on a personal note to grow, grow our team, grow our business, yeah. which we're, so we're very thankful of that and the profession. And I think we're, I, I have to say as well. I was talking to someone yesterday when you're in procurement, there's not a lot of people tend to leave it. Retention of the profession is very, very strong. And there's a reason why that's the case. So I think everyone in procurement should be really proud of that. We talk about retention in businesses, but actually, as a community and as a profession, I think it's got a very, very good retention. So
0: you said, uh, but the one thing I've noticed over, over the last sort of six to 12 months is that I see more. I don't know whether it's just my network has sort of gone off, but they've, there's more that have been sort of promoted outside of the profession. So people becoming managing directors and yeah, you know, actually, actually going to leadership positions within the, the, the business rather than just st- sort of staying within the sort of the procurement glass ceiling. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, that's obviously extremely positive that, that they're sort of they're leaving and going on to bigger and bigger things in, in, in business as well. But yeah, definitely. Great. Well, thanks everyone for joining us, Tom. Really appreciate you. your time. Uh, Kirsty and Martin, as always, really great. Uh, We've obviously, this is released as a podcast. So do check out the podcast. It's available on all good platforms. Uh, And join us next time when we're going to tackle another big issue facing procurement.
2: Until then, goodbye. Thank you.
3: Thanks. Bye.